Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. What do you fear? You know, phobias are big in the world of psychology, specifically because human beings have so many of them. In fact, I looked at um, (laughs) some of the, the top phobias that people have. Number one, what do you think it is? Spiders. Arachnophobia. Uh, the second, any, any guesses? Snakes, yes, perfect. Uh, then there's the fear of heights um, or fear of the northeast heights um, here in Albuquerque, heightophobia. Uh, there's aerophobia, the fear of flying. I've yet to be able to spread wings and do that. There's kinophobia, it's the fear of dogs. God forbid that anybody would fear a dog. Any astrophobia, fear of thundering and lightning, uh, tyrannophobia, fear of injections. Have you been injected yet with the vaccine? Let's divide over that right now. Raise your hand. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. There's social anxiety disorder. There's misophobia, the, the fear of germs goes right. There's claustrophobia, the, small of, uh, the fear of small places. There's glossophobia, fear of public speaking. And I know those of you who've listened to me over the years would say, we wish you had more of a fear of public speaking. And then there's one I read that was interesting. It was called xenophobia, which was curious to me because how could anybody, I mean, my neighbor, Zeno, is a great guy. How anybody could fear him. Okay, you didn't get it. You need to get together on your public um, social life. Anyway, so here's, here's the issue. We've been talking about love, love versus. And we talked about love versus hate two times on that. We're even going to probably spend some more time on it. Because we believe that according to Jesus, according to the Father, that love is greater than. And whatever love comes up against, if it's truly applied, truly embraced, will make a difference completely. Because this world that we live in, I'm not talking about just the physical world. The physical world, God said he made it and it was good, but man left that original design. And because of that, We are told that the ruler of this age, which is known as Satan himself, is a determined influencer against humanity. You know, it's easy to control people by fear, isn't it? It's a common tactic. It's a common tactic. You know, if you don't do certain things, you will be punished. You will be restricted. Something bad will happen to you. And that is the kingdom of this world in comparison to the kingdom of God. This world says we rule by strength, we rule by might, we rule by intimidation. And if you don't follow along, you've got to have a problem. We're going to get you. Jesus speaking to his disciples when they were thinking about, hey, 
When you come into your kingdom, I want to sit on the left side and I want to have them sit on the right side. It would have been one of those moments where I could see Jesus looking at both of them and saying, you're fired. You missed the whole point. Just get. They even had their mother show up and ask, you know. Well, anyway, he says, this is how the kingdoms of this world do it. But the greatest among you will be the servant. The greatest among you will be the one that serves and takes care of other people, not getting other people to take care of them. And they rule by fear and with an iron fist. He says, not, should not be so among us. Fear can be a real problem for humanity, isn't it? Fear, uh, defined, is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Likely to cause pain or a threat. And the mind plays into this, doesn't it? The mind is hardy, it's strong, it's powerful, but it's also very, very fragile. Managing our thoughts and fears sometimes feels elusive, doesn't it? Things can get away from you. It depends if you've had that one extra cup of coffee and you didn't have protein to match it in the morning. All of a sudden, who knows what you're going to be afraid of? Are people afraid of you? It's complex, isn't it? You know, where do fears come from? Well, they come from bad experiences or events in your life. Experience such as, I don't know why dads like to do this. I think it's just because they're kind of sick on the inside. You know, they need healing. But what makes a dad take a little bitty baby, the most fragile thing in the world, and toss it up in the air? wonder where you got your fear of heights from. It's the fear of being earned, injured or hurt in some way. We've seen other people who are injured and we think, oh, I don't want that at all, at all. I can remember well, years that I was free and I lived as a true human being on the earth when I drove my Harley every day. Those were the days. But I had so many people trying to put fear in my heart. I still today can't uh, muster up any fear about riding a motorcycle, although I know I probably should. But people would come to me and say, you know what? Uh, you know, I work in an emergency room. This is not a good idea that you ride that around. And also, you know, you need to be wearing a helmet. And it's like, what? Why don't I just get in a car? There's nothing safe about riding this motorcycle, but it's awesome. I love it. Rejection, fear of rejection <clears throat> is so deep within us and, and all of the hurts of our past play into that. We're also afraid of being re uh, accepted or rejected by other people. Physical pain, abuse, hunger, fear of humiliation, and worst of all, the biggest one, is death. It's death. That is what humanity has to deal with for all of these years. And listen. Fear of an idea or an event or a belief can have the same effect on a person. New fears are introduced by the way of communication in all different forms. A lot of the research, or not research, but reading that I've done, indicates that many of the news cycles base their information off of the typical fears that people have. The chances of someone being mauled by a bear are very, very low. But that will make top news, won't it? 
an airplane crash, an accident. Oh, no. It, you know, if you do the statistics, you realize that the chances of someone dying in an airplane crash is very, 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 very low. However, because of our fear, it catches our attention, and, we, and so we feed off of it. And we've built a whole communication system that is catered to our fears. Oh, is there something in there scary? Well, I should probably watch it. Why anybody would ever want to watch a horror movie? I have no idea. Right? I'm not condemning you. I'm just like, you may need to get a badge for bravery or for grossness. I don't know what it is, but what, what is it with fear? Right? Think about this whole stinking, horrible virus thing that we've been dealing with. It's terrible. It's been the worst, especially for a nation that's like, <sighs> liberty, 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 liberty. And then, no, 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 no. We have a fear of getting the virus. That's valid. Why? People die from it. Not even like nice deaths where you just kind of go into a dark room and die. It's like bad. Ventilators and the whole horrible thing. Then you've got uh, the fear of spreading the virus to someone else, you know? Hence, we all have to wear a mask. And oh, let me just talk about one of the most unifying subjects in the church in America. To wear a mask or not to wear a mask. You'd think somebody was making fun of their children or something. It's like, oh, really? People are ready to fight. People are ready to go to town. It doesn't matter which direction it is. But it's that fear, fear of crowds, you know? Other people, you know, it's, it's just, it's constant. Don't wear a mask. People are afraid of dying, dying alone. People are afraid of losing their jobs, losing their freedoms. And these are all difficult to manage because it comes from our mind. And fears can be fueled in the wrong direction by our minds, can't they? Can you say amen? Okay, we're going to start a new thing. It's not this week, but next week, if you don't say amen, there's going to be a sound. And it will nudge you forward with your amen. So can we get an amen again? Amen. All right. Okay, good. Just made it through. <clears throat> when I was a kid, I was one of the most fearful people on the earth, as far as I know. The summer I spent with my grandmother, years, I would go out and stay on their farm. My grandmother was a hardworking, happy person, but she was so full of fear, and she managed to pass that on to me very effectively. And so I, had, I would come home from my grandmother's, and my mother would say, oh, boy, she's got you <laughs> twisted up in your mind, doesn't she? Like, no, Mom, this is true. We need to be afraid of this. But then something happened. Just a normal kid with allergies, skinny, missing 30 days of school a year because I was severely ill with allergies and had a bad attitude. Other than that, just a normal kid. I was watching a commercial back when we had televisions with big tubes in them, and you could smell the tube heating up. And you didn't click a button, you turned a knob. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. All right, good. Now. So, this commercial comes on, and it's for the movie The Exorcist. 
I knew a little bit about the Bible. I knew about demons, but I didn't think that any of them could ever be inside of me. And it was terrifying to me. And friends that I knew, older kids had gone and seen the movie. One friend he had to drive 70 miles to watch the movie. He said, I, I stopped and I, I pulled a Bible out of my trunk and I had one in my glove compartment. I put a Bible in my back seat and one in my front seat and I drove 100 miles an hour all the way home. There's a safe response to a movie. But then there was another commercial that came out. It was right after that. It was called Beyond the Door. And it showed this young kid sitting there with just the most horrible look on their face, speaking in this satanic voice, and it got me. It got me bad to the point that I couldn't sleep at night. I had night terrors, and I was absolutely paralyzed, even though I lived next to the church. And I don't know if you know this, but when uh, darkness comes at night and people turn off all the lights and they leave the church, that's when all the evil spirits come in. That's what happens. (laughs) But that's the way it felt to me. I could always look out my window and see the church and, oh, there's some weird red light over there. I know there's some kind of eyes. But I became terrified that somehow I would become demon-possessed. And, and you think, there's no, how could you even think that? Well, you're a Christian kid raised in a pastor's home in a loving place where people took care of you. How could that happen? It just, it's the mind. And fear is so powerful. Now, here's an interesting Paul Harvey, the rest of the story of this, this thing, is that <clears throat> I was so sick that eventually we went to an allergist because I was sick all the time. My doctor, when my mom took me in to say, you know, he's terrified every night. So he looked at me and he said, I'm going to give you some pills. And they were sugar pills, which were really tasty if you crunch them up. But it didn't really do anything. So eventually we went to an allergist. And what we found out is I'm allergic to almost everything on the planet. If it wasn't for allergies, I'd be seven foot tall right now. Well, what they found out is I had a severe allergy to milk. And every night before I went to bed, I had a bowl of cereal. Doesn't that sound just perfect, pedestrian, great? It was driving me insane. And later on in life, I've read articles about people who have uh, adverse reactions to milk. Fathers would become enraged and, and just go off on their families. And when they cut the milk off then it was over with. And so was it chemical? Was it spiritual? Or was it just something that was attacking my mind? I don't fully know, but I know one thing is that fear can be crippling to anyone and to everyone. And this was what my mom used to tell me, this passage. She said, you know, you don't need to fear. Because it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, there's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Well, that sounded good. But as nighttime came around, it didn't really help. What does it mean, okay, to be perfected in love? What does it mean that there's no fear 
in love. It says, because love drives out, overrides fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Well, from a a quick biblical look at this, what he was talking about, John, was he was saying that this kind of fear that it overpowers and overtakes should not be so because when love truly enters into someone's life or into a situation, if it is fully embraced, those fears begin to be pushed away and something new and more powerful has come. That's why earlier in this book, John would say, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And I would say, greater is the love of God in your life and my life than the fear that is produced to control people and to keep humanity down. Because most of all of the things you fear don't happen to you, right? Right? They just don't. Some of the things you don't fear happen to you and you think, I should have been afraid of those things. But what does it mean? As we further on in this identity of Jesus with love, there needs to be an understanding that what Jesus is speaking of is so radical, and what the disciples have held on to is so radical that it has the potential of changing everything in the world and specifically, firstly, in your life. Love is something that we write songs about, It's notes that we write, but the love that is used here primarily in the New Testament is the word agape, and it is the God-style love. It is a self-giving love, okay, with no reference to the person's deserving of that love at all. It is a love that seeks the betterment of everyone else, but... If love is conditional, and if love somehow only benefits you, then that means fear has a great entrance because you can fear that someone will no longer love you. You can fear that someone will leave you. You can fear that you're going to say the wrong thing. You can fight other people because you are afraid. You see the difference here? Jesus comes in and he hammers this theme, love one another, love one another. John, the apostle that wrote this near the end of his days when he was an old man in Ephesus, it said that he, when he was too old to go out to the meetings, I mean, you can imagine back then they probably didn't have good wheelchairs, big stones, hard to push around. And... He would tell them, children, love one another, for this is the commandment of our Lord. It's a new way of living, and it's a new way of being human. And when it comes to love, in God's court, he says love should win out every time. Because even if you hate the person that's loving you, Even if you want the demise of a people group who is unwilling to engage you in savagery. Even if you kill someone who is loving 
you do not defeat love. You do not defeat God's love. You simply show the fear and the kingdom of hatred that you are serving. And that's Jesus' point. His point on the cross was, look, this is what you do when someone has come to give their life and to serve you and to love you. That's how messed up the world is. And that is his mode of operation in his kingdom from that day on. That his people were not supposed to be people who were out there causing fear in other people. Here's going to be the consequences if you don't do this. No. He invited humanity to come in with him and to look at life a completely other way. He says here, there is no fear in love. Now, stop for a second, commercial for the Old Testament. We're told in Psalms that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and understanding, that there is a reverential respect for God that should be there, present with each human being. But the difference is this fear is a respect for God's power and authority. But when it comes to relationship, which love is all about, it's a relationship. It means that when it comes to knowing God, if there is fear in there, if there's fear of the judgment, fear of seeing God face to face, if there's fear that causes you to continue to hate other people, he says, the love of God hasn't been perfected in you. Because fear involves torment, doesn't it? Some of the greatest torment that you've experienced mentally has come from fear, those long, dark nights of the soul wondering what's going to happen. Am I going to be able to keep my business open? What's going to happen to our economy? Look at all the shifts and changes. Man, if you aren't asking these questions, you're not paying attention. The world is quaking right now. And and we are tempted, tempted to give in to the panic, give in to the fear, and what happens when that happens? You're able to be manipulated by those controlling. Manipulated by the enemies of God and the enemies of humanity. Jesus comes and says, let's love. I'm going to show you how to do it. And this love will overcome and cast out that fear. Because when you get to know me and you get to know love, you understand that there's no need to fear me. It happens that way with dogs. You say, oh boy, here he goes talking about dogs. Well, you know what? I don't have much good to say about human beings lately, so I'm just going to talk about dogs. (laughs) We get rescue dogs basically because we're cheap. But uh, that's in a whole other story. But I like these little dogs that are mutts, and oftentimes they've been in other homes before you get them. And so they, they have quirks. And they're not necessarily fully able to trust you. But when they finally figure out that you give the food, 
You're the one that plays with them. You're the one that pets them. You're the one that lets them go outside, takes them for walks. All of a sudden, man, they just give in, and they're like, I'm totally in, and I am not afraid of you at all. I respect you, but I'm not afraid of you. And as humans, we're, we're so accustomed to being afraid. Well, God, man, look at all God's done. Look at all the, the wars in this world. Isn't it because of religion and religious people blaming it all on God? Could God really be true? I mean, what? There's a fear there, a resistance, a reticence. But he says, come in. Enter into a world of love that will not only transform you and allow you your fears to slowly abate and be overcome, but it is a world that if you fully embrace it will transform the world that you're living in now. That is the language of Jesus Christ. That is the language of the New Testament because there's a kingdom of love and this kingdom is versus the kingdom of fear. <clears throat> Years ago, I attended a conference in Colorado Springs. There was a, one of the speakers was a, a guy by the name of Dr. Carl Raschke. I think he was uh, head of the Department of Humanities at Denver University at that time. He had had his uh, education, PhD from Harvard, and he was one of those really just intense human beings. But he had written a book called Painted Black. And it was about Satanism in America. And so immediately, loving fear like I did, I read the book. And then listened to him speak. But one of the interesting things that he brought out is he said, this whole idea of Satanism and occultism is based upon the, the, the dynamic or paradigm of fear and instilling fear in people. In fact, he said, you know, the, the, the groups of people that seem to employ the occultic behavior, the, this, if you don't step in line, something bad is going to happen to you, are typically very lawless, illegal groups. And he mentioned cartels. He said one of the reasons that they're so effective is that if you step out of line, they will take you and do, mutilate you and do something absolutely despicable to you in front of other people to let everyone know this is what happens when you get out of line. Such is the way of the world. We watch the news. We, we see people who are kidnapping other people, uh, invading other countries, torturing other people. That just seems to be the story of humanity. And what does that do? It creates fear. Hence the term terrorism. Terrorism, what, people are throwing fear at you? No. It calls us to fear because they are willing to do that which is despicable and awful in our eyes. And so we give our fear or give our, our power and our authority over to a kingdom that is willing to hurt you. And so instead of li living life fully, God says, hey, be fruitful, multiply on the earth. Do a good job. This place is beautiful. I put you here because I love you. And it's good and it's a blessing. But 
the controlling fear takes human beings who are meant to be free in the spirit of God and diminishes them down and said, okay, you need to be afraid of this. You need to be afraid of this. You need to be afraid of this. And so we spend our life avoiding certain things, shut ourselves off from everyone else. And what does that do? That diminishes the image of God in us that says that I love you and I care for you. You see, you see the difference here, my friends? If we are manipulated and controlled by this kingdom, what it means is we never reach our full experience, our full expression of what God wants us to be. Listen, God's love can overwhelm that fear when we embrace Jesus and accept his love in his way. Okay? God's love can overcome that fear and overwhelm that fear when we embrace Jesus and accept his love and his way of love. His position. Okay, how does God overcome that fear? Look with me at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. It's by believing and trusting in Jesus. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Okay? This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That means that he was the exact appropriate payment or exchange for our sins. And we're going to talk about that in a whole other sermon about God's love versus our sins. But here's, here's the thought. Dear friends, we ought also to love, as God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us his spirit. And when we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, and get this, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Wow. Let me unpack this. He says here that believing and trusting in Jesus is receiving and accepting God's love. God's invitation to love other people. You say, well, why does he need to do that? That's so exclusive. My friends, this is God's business. He never consults me about what he's going to do. I just trust that he's done what's right, and I'm thankful that he made a way for us as human beings. But what he did <coughs> is... He sent his own, only son, living as a human being in this world, as other human beings. And he says, 
not only am I doing this because I love you and I'm going to pay for your sins because I care for you, but what I am doing, okay, what I am doing is giving you an example of what my love looks like. You can say to people, well, what does it mean to really follow God? What does it mean to believe in Him? What it means is, is that by God's Spirit, somehow God has enabled people to see the goodness of God. You notice there are certain people that stand out in a crowd, you know, particular country, the average height is this tall, and then in walks a seven-foot person. And it's easy to spot that person in a crowd, right? Jesus, if you're looking, if you're paying attention, you can spot him in a crowd anywhere because his actions are so contrary to the, those around him. His actions are contrary. What king would have come and said, beat me, mock me? Spin on me. I don't care. This is painful. I'm a human being. You're doing this to another human being. But I'm here for a purpose that is greater than your hatred. I am here for a purpose that overrides the fear with which you control and beat down human beings. Because as long as you can make people fear, you can keep them from experiencing all that they're meant to experience. That's a fact. That's the truth. All right. Secondly, God overcomes fear not only by believing and trusting in Jesus, but he does so by moving us into his house. 1 John 4, verse 16 says, in the message, I'll read it to you. We know it so well. We've embraced it heart and soul. This love that comes from God. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. And stop there for a second. Whenever we take up permanent permanent residence in the life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. You may be living in a house of fear, but he says, I want you to come and live with me. Uh, in, in the original, the word that live there, it's translated live, is meno, which in other translations is to abide or dwell. But it means to come over and to stay with that person. To live and abide and to dwell richly with someone else. That's what he's talking about. God says, okay, this is the world you've been living in. Come and take refuge in me. Believe in my son because my son will transform your life and my son will transform this world. But come up and take residence in love because I, as to my absolute essence, is love. It's not like God is love and then love is God. No, no, no. God is love. And what we know best about love comes from God. 
And God says, I want you to be close to me. The way that we stay in love, the way that we continue on a daily basis, a lifetime in love, is to remain in his house. Okay, back to the dogs. I have a couple of escape, escape artists at my house. And if you accidentally leave the door open for just a little bit, they'll go out by your feet and you don't really know it. Until a couple of hours later that you realize that it's really quiet in the backyard. There's no dogs barking. And a neighbor pulls up and out comes your two dogs. We found them up close near the, the large road and they were almost made it to the road and I opened up my car door and they jumped in and so I looked on looked them up and we found your house and here you are those dogs though they thought they were doing something awesome two little mutt chihuahuas are not going to stand much a chance in the streets of Albuquerque and if they get out to the Sandias hello Mr. Coyote we're doing great Hey, we're running. We're doing our own thing. Where's the food? I don't know. How do we get back to the house? I have no idea. Hopefully somebody will pick us up. And he says, listen, you're surrounded by a world that is a kingdom of fear. Guys, all the news reports we read, the only reason they're interesting is because they're scary. How many news? Just good news. The actor who tried that, that it was great, it was admirable, but, you know, eh, a little bit boring. You've got to have some bad news in there, right? <laughs> because of that, God says, I want you to come and take refuge and live on my compound with me. I want you to experience this love. I want you to not be afraid of me. I want you to get to know that I'm going to take care of you. And I want you to look at my son because as he is in this world, was in this world, you're, in the, you're that way in this world. Jesus, and this is hard to take. I'm sorry. We've turned Jesus into the next best, you know, self-help guide. Come to the Jesus seminar. He'll teach you how to be Blah, blah, blah. You're going to be better. You're going to have a clearer mind. God wants you to be successful. God wants to take you to a new level. I, they do that one all the time right now. He's taking you to a new level. Really? What level am I on? Do you know? Whereas Jesus comes along and says, I am against all of this stuff. I am against the way this world treats you and each other, and it stops with love. And I want you to come and live with me and live in love and experience that love and realize you can let your, your, your guard down and that you can learn to love other people. You don't have to be afraid of other people because you're not in competition with other people. You don't have to hate anybody because you don't need to control anybody. Rest in my love. Rest in my love. That love 
can overwhelm the fear that haunts our hearts. When I die, I'm sure I will still have a fear of heights. But that doesn't really mean anything, does it? A fear of heights is not because someone's trying to control me, is it? It may just be a consequence of my circumstances. But when it comes to fear of the eternal, fear of things that threaten us, that's not in God's kingdom. He says, God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God, and God lives in us. This way, love has run of the house because at home becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. You say, well, that sounds scary. I fear for that. I don't want to die. I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want people to hate me. That's fear. Love hasn't been perfected. Remember we talked about that word the other day? Perfect. Be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus spoke about that. He says, the word there is teleos, which means, it can mean perfect, or the completion of a thing, or the fulfillment, or maturation. Is the person who has fear in his relationship with God that his love hasn't been fully matured. So it may take time. But the only way we're going to get there is to stay in love with Him, loving our enemies, praying for those who persecute us, refusing to fear when people say, you should be afraid, you should be afraid. I'm refusing to fear. And I'm going to stick in love, and I'm going to follow Jesus, even if that costs me, because it will be better than giving in to what's available. You get that? That's oftentimes where courage comes from, isn't it? I'm kind of afraid I really don't want to do this, but I don't want to give in to the alternative. And so I have to move forward. And God meets us there in all of those actions that are toward other human beings that are based in love, my friends, are right in the heart of God. Verse 18, and we'll take communion. There's no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear since fear is crippling. A fearful life, a fear of death, a fear of judgment is one not yet fully formed in love. And so if you're having a lot of anxiety and fear right now, <laughs> So is everybody else. It just means that you haven't been fully matured in experiencing God's love. And so it's when you start to fear, when you start to have anxiety, that's not the time to run. That's the time to turn to God and say, Lord, here 
are my fears. Here's what I'm afraid of. Casting all my cares upon you because I know that you care for me. That, my friends, will transform your life. That, my friends, will get your mind in the right place and your heart in the right place. And that will give everyone a chance, okay, for a better life, a real life, a life that God intended. Yes, are there bad things going on in the world? Yes. Are there diseases? Yes. Are there needles? with spiders connected to them. Yes, with a snake by it. Yes, but it, you don't need to be ruled by those fears. You need to be ruled by the, the king of love who's ready to receive you and to restore you and to build you up. So if you're heading in the fear way, not the free way, but the fear way, turn around and go the opposite because that's where God is waiting. Father, thank you for our time today. So challenging, Lord. But when we hear it and we see it, we know it's true. I pray for those who are watching, those who maybe don't even consider themselves to be Christ followers, Lord. I pray that they would be able to see your head above the crowd, a beacon, a sign of hope. Lord, as we prepare to take communion, we just ask that you'd forgive us of our sins, the things, Lord, that we shouldn't have been doing, the things, Lord, that are against you, against ourselves, against humanity. We, we pray, Lord, that you would forgive us and continue to mature us and move us on. We trust in Jesus for that. But then we also pray and ask that you would forgive us for being neglectful and not doing what you've called us to do, to get caught up in all of the things that really don't matter. Help us, Lord, to zero in on the things that really matter and to bring them to you. We thank you so much for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. You have your little snack pack with you here. Jesus, with joy, ate this meal with the disciples. He said, this is my body which was broken for you. Let's take it together. And after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood, the new covenant. That I make an agreement with you human beings that I'm going to come down here. And though millions of you have been murdered and mistreated, my blood will matter. And my death will matter. Because I love you. And I'm the source of love. Thank you, Lord.
those of you who are counting, it's zero carbs right there. It's all love. Well, I think that's it, isn't it? Okay. Would you please stand with me? It's been such a joy to be with you today. Guys, as you go throughout the week, think Jesus. Think Jesus. Oh. He can calm the most turbulent heart, the highest anxiety, just by the mention of his name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. God smile on you and gift you. God look each and every one of you full in the face and give you peace and make you prosper. God bless you. And as you leave, I have a question for you. Okay? What is love and should it hurt? This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.